is 2021, the year of the bastard. Could we potentially see Pac have an AEW world title run? And how does a man forget gravity? How does a man forget gravity? How do you forget gravity? Trampoline? Is he a man of culture? Does he travel to space? Is he like Eminem? Does he love Eminem? Maybe he's M &M. a fan of John Mayer. Just a, a big fan of John that Mayer. sounds like an alien. Is he among us? No, that's next week. Can we still call him Neville or is that still bad? Y'all remember Adrian? Where does his abs come from? Oh, the abs what gravity forgot. How do abs do this? Boy, somebody better call an ambulance because those abs are dying. Oh my. Just start ignoring the puns. Stop thinking about Can the you puns. Find out very soon as we all go pack in time. Oh, god damn it! On this week's episode of the Wrestling with Fiction podcast, we'll be discussing the man that gravity forgot. It's Pack! One of my faults on a potential Pack World title run. Who could he win from? And where on earth will he go next? For now, tell your friends, tell your friendliest friends, tell them all to tune in to this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast! Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast. And if this is your first time here, we did it, people! We're in 2021! We did it! We survived! I don't know how, but we did! And this week, we're talking about Pac, who is a true survivor! Because goddamn, how do you get abs like that in quarantine? Can somebody tell me? Probably not. Uh, in all seriousness, the reason why this episode is even happening is because I realized with this whole hashtag trend that we had for hashtag uh, AW Top 10 when they'll bring up suggestions, I completely forgot to put Pack in there. And I feel so ashamed. Like, completely ashamed of this. Like, easily one of the brightest stars in AEW from... Like, his inception to where he is right now. He has been gravely missed. And even though he's been gone for what feels like about eight months, he's been a character who's almost just slotted himself right into, like, a main event picture. And I feel like, let's talk about him, because that's what we do. So, we're going to start this with a new segment. Because I came up with something different this week. So, in case you don't know this, I am also a film and creative writing student. That's kind of what I do outside of podcasting. And one of the main things that I particularly enjoyed was screenwriting. I enjoyed making random plots. Probably why I'm doing this. And one of the main things that you learn early on is a logline. And if you don't know what a logline is... It's usually just the summary of your script or the summary of your story. That's usually within like three or four sentences, about 30 words or less. And so I thought, let's bring that in to this. So the basics of this, I am dubbing it the tagline. You see what I did there? In which it's going to be a 30 word or less summary of the wrestler of this week and so we're starting this off with pack it's basically for all of those people who don't really know who this character is and kind of their goals just kind of summarizing it in about 30 words or less so without further ado let's get the tagline started cue the new music people Right, so, as you already know, if you're a fan of wrestling, Pac is kind of 
kind of an interesting case coming from WWE to AEW and also that Dragon Gate phase in between. But in order to best summarize his character, I feel that it's best to talk about how he's been wronged to an extent. Well, he's from his perspective. And to really have that be an example of how it fuels his storyline ideas that I will hope to pitch. So to summarize Pac's character, I've wrote simply, after slaying a one-winged angel in his debut, an obsessive, psychotic, British bastard rages against the machine when his success is ultimately ignored by management. The reason why I've summarized it in such a way is because with a logline, when you try and give it, you need to summarize the entire story. How this is going to happen? How is it not going to happen? And just give the character a general sense of direction. If you're a fan of Pac, you've seen him go from beating Kenny Omega to having a match with Orange Cassidy in which he was frustrated at the fact that this person was not taking him seriously to eventually forming Death Triangle for the same motivations established in the logline. A character who feels that he's been neglected by management and not being given as many opportunities as AEW's Golden Boys, your John Moxley's, your Kenny Omega's, your Chris Jericho's. He doesn't have to be right. He just needs to have a reason. And it's for that reason that was a very bad segue. And I kind of hope that would be the general direction of Pac's character. We're seeing it with Eddie Kingston. We're seeing it with various other characters who he's involved with. And hopefully this angle or idea is brought into his storylines going forward. So, do you have any taglines that you feel could have been better explained for the way that Pac is right now? Or do you think that it should be changed a bit? You can let me know on Twitter at Connor the Cooper, or you can let me know on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction. And I don't think I should take you guys any longer. Let's pitch some more storylines for Pac. And the first one that I'm going to suggest is one where I think Pac is going to need to be more than just a bastard. He's going to need to be a real best bout machine. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Now, what are you thinking? Pac, you can understand why Pac would feud with Kenny Omega at this point. He's literally just beaten Phoenix in the last episode of Dynamite. He had his match with Pentagon Jr. in the tournament. And he already has this story with Pac already. And I don't think Pac's fully over that yet. Especially after how the 30-minute Iron Man match went with him. But Hangman Page. Bit questionable to put this all in one place. But hear me out on this. So, I think it's already pretty safe to say that the next person who's going to hold the world title is more than likely going to be Hangman Page at this point. From what we know, it feels like AEW setting up Hangman Page to be the top face of the company. They had his sort of start and stop situation with Chris Jericho, in which it looked like he was going to potentially win the world title, but he didn't. In hindsight, that was a good decision. Then they kind of tried to keep him in the main event scene by having him feud with Pac. Which did and didn't work. It was only when he tagged team with Kenny Omega he started to get over. But that's going on a whole other tangent. Everyone's talking about how Pac is... I don't know. He's so focused on the Eddie Kingston stuff and he's also in this Kenny Omega feud bit. But everyone's talked about Hangman Page, talk about how he was going to be the first AEW champion. But people seem to forget the part where Pac came in. Holding the Dragon Gate championship. Holding it up and saying, I'm the champion. You don't deserve to lace my boots. And something really struck a chord with me with that. Everyone's thinking it's going to be Hangman versus Omega for the world title. And it's going to be Hangman winning. But I think people don't quite realise that 
Pac technically has a big wins over both of them. And if Hangman's gonna face Omega, he needs to face Pac first. And, you know, get his win back. Because they kind of had an on and off again feud, sort of at the beginning of Dynamite. And the reason why I think you need to include Hangman into this, along with Omega, is that both of them represent AEW's Golden Boys still. The thing that we've already talked about with Pac. And the reason this is prevalent is Pac still has that grudge on his shoulder about how he's still kind of being unrepresented. And out of all the big stars in AEW, he was the only one who's left on another country on his own. Why wouldn't he be upset that all of a sudden this guy who was a tag team wrestler is all of a sudden in the main event and the other guy is... He's the guy who got lucky against him. He has multiple pinball victories over Kenny Omega. And the only reasons that he lost was because of technicalities. My, many things that I could totally see Pac complaining to to Tony Khan. And Tony Khan would probably say yes, because now he just likes Omega. <laughs> Plus the whole thing with Phoenix and like Penta and his newfound friendship and Death Triangle. This could be the Tony Khan equivalent of introducing a lethal dose of poison to try and destroy AEW in order to rebuild it again. That type of thing. Because their stable is quite literally called Death Triangle. If there isn't going to be death in this type of thing, then I don't know why you named them Death Triangle. And maybe, for it, is actually a metaphorical thing. So that it will destroy John Callis' whole invisible hand that he's had since his character's kind of been portrayed as that. You can build this whole story about how Pac is just chasing after Omega and he's been held down by Tony Khan. Now he's being held down by Don Callis everywhere he goes just to chase after Omega. He knows that he can beat Omega. He's one of the very few in Justin Roberts' introductions who has beaten Omega in singles competition. And in singles competition, mind you, that has counted in AEW's record books. Not counting the John Moxley victory, the only, like, singles losses that Kenny Omega's had in AEW has been against Chris Jericho and Pac himself. There is nobody else. Not Hangman, not Shima. Remember when he fought Shima? <laughs> that whole tangent. So Pac technically does have a good vibe for the world title. And you can build him up as beating former challenges like he's already having with Eddie Kingston. Uh, maybe beating... Joey Janela. I don't know. Maybe he just wants to beat Joey Janela. And just beating up so many people to, so that Tony Khan has no choice but to give this man a title shot. Like, I can see that happening. Like, we've already got Pac already having a war with Eddie Kingston. And it looks like they might build something up with Archer. But it raises the question. Should Pac actually win the world title? I think he should. If there's any character, if we're talking across the wide stage of WWE, AEW, and New Japan, all the other wrestling promotions, I feel like it's about time Pac gets his just due. He, he carried the cruiserweight division, in which I felt like he should have been a guy... To do kind of what New Japan does when they do a junior versus heavyweight. Like the world champion versus world champion type of stuff. I feel like Pac should have been doing that. I I think he's totally evolved from being what he was in WWE. He carries himself like a star everywhere he goes. Like when he was first in AEW I did not like look away and think he didn't deserve to have a match with Jon Moxley. Or Chris Jericho. Or just even be in that spot. AEW did a really good job of portraying Pac as a big deal when he signed. Even in his introduction with Hangman Page. Holding the Openweight Dreamgate Championship. He's not in a suit. He's in his wrestling gear for some reason. 
Like, they wanted you to see this guy as a threat, regardless of size. Plus, if you're not going to have him have a trio's belt with Death Triangle, I think you could do the whole have all the gold story, but with Death Triangle. Have Pac potentially be on the cusp of winning the world title. I think people have been clamoring for the Lucha Bros to win the tag titles still. That feels like a good fit. And maybe you don't want to win it with Kenny Omega because he's having this big heel run right now. And I understand. This is where Hangman Page comes in. Th remember the whole thing that I've mentioned earlier about the whole uh, AEW rally that we had at the beginning? Tie it into that. Everyone's talking about who's going to beat Kenny Omega. And a lot of people were saying Hangman Page. But nobody's talking about who could beat Hangman Page at that point. Because if Hangman Page beats Omega, he's being portrayed as a god of pro wrestling. Right now. The only other person who I can see to dethrone Hangman down the line from where we're at right now is Pac. Just because he has kind of the same reputation as he did with Omega, in which he made both characters pass out. That's something that you don't forget. And AEW constantly brings back kind of systematic recaps of stuff if it's super important the kenny omega john moxley story and vice versa i don't think aew's forgotten about the whole thing with pack and him feeling completely unjustified in the company it's just right now he's focused on the whole thing with eddie kingston so i think you can build up pack to have a world title match with kenny maybe not necessarily win but prove that he can be a main event player like, give him a big main event match, say a... I'm going to say double or nothing, because it feels like they're building to something with that or Revolution. Have a good competitive match if I'm booking it. Probably just a straight singles match. Maybe actually go to a time limit draw. You know, play off their Iron Man match and have it go to a split decision, because that was a rule that they never really established. Because both men can go the distance. Absolutely, they can go the distance. Have him lose. Maybe have Hangman win the belt from Omega. And then as you're doing that, Death Triangle just attempts to destroy everything in Jacksonville. In that kind of AEW arena. Maybe he even, maybe he even gives Tony Khan a bump. I don't know. Because they want to destroy everything and restart everything anew. Under the Death Triangle leadership. That's kind of a basic consensus. It's kind of my weird head wanting to factor in Pat because I feel like he's eventually going to snap as a character. Not that he hasn't snapped already, but to a point where it's like actually significant for the world title. I think kind of like Brody Lee when he won the TNT Championship, where he's portrayed as this big menacing leader. I feel like we're going to get that with Pac at some point. That's kind of the basis of that whole thing. So... We've already talked about Pac now, potential world title run. So let's get to some other things, because I've talked about Death Triangle. I feel like if they want to destroy everything, they might need to do a little bit of FTW. <music> Team Taz! Originally, I was just going to put Brian Cage or Wheelhouse... Wheelhouse? Jesus. <laughs> Wheelhouse Hobbs. No. Powerhouse Hobbs. In this, is just an individual spot. Because I really wanted kind of a big size and disadvantage thing where you can just kind of prove just kind of the precise nature of Pac's offense. You know how he just sort of drop kicks people? Where it just looks so clean and crisp. I'm, I'm just gushing over his offense at this point. But then I realized. You could just put in the whole team. Team Taz has been killing it recently. I think they ha they've just started to really come into their own. Since having Powerhouse Hobbs join the group. And for me this just feels like a go to. AEW six man title belt feud for me that kind of feels like a given with this 
they're both kind of groups with very similar intentions, which is that AEW is putting them down and not really showing what their groups individually mean, like FTW or Team Taz's whole idea of FTW. They feel Tony Khan's kind of holding that down. Death Triangle is mainly just unjust and frustrated over AEW's booking of them. It feels like a match made in heaven. It's, oh, you want an opportunity? Well, you have to beat them. That's your opportunity. Plus, I feel, with how dominant Team Taz looks as a unit, they look like they could absolutely dwarf Death Triangle. And don't get me wrong, I know they are pretty damn tough, both groups. I just think it'd be a very fun clash of styles. I look at Pac, and I, I see a guy who... If they want to really ignite this feud. You know, we haven't seen anyone lose the FTW title yet in AEW. Why not give it to Pac for a bit? And let that be the kickstart to the feud is that Pac beats Brian Cage for the FTW championship. And it's Team Taz's goal to try and get it back in this six-man tag title tournament. And not only that, get Brian Cage to be a double champion. I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of Brian Cage, but I feel like that's kind of what you need for him. You have that thing, you build up Pack as this kind of underdog, awesome dude, where he's just been absolutely beaten up, but he's still incredibly tactical and smart and calculating in that very sort of psychotic way in which he's just targeting the legs of Brian Cage, he's targeting the arms. Like, being very precise, you know how Pac's offense is. Very precise, very calculated, and very focused and intentful. He doesn't really waste any offense. You look at Pac compared to Neville. It's less about doing flashy moves, and more about just inflicting her onto an individual body part. Pack is a lot more calculating and obsessive over that type of stuff. And if he wants an opportunity, I feel like he's kind of going in this sort of more babyface-ish route. It does kind of feel like it would fit more if he was against sort of Team Taz's group. And just more particularly Brian Cage, I'll say. Just because of the sheer size of him. Like they're already kind of telling that story with Darby Allen. You, I think likewise you can tell it with Pack. He's a smaller guy, but he carries himself like he's a superstar. I think presenting it in that context could be fun. Then if you throw in the trios titles, if AEW ever makes the trios titles, you got a really fun match that automatically raises the credibility of it. Because AEW loves its tag team wrestling. And I feel like emphasizing it by having these two teams be the initial leaders of the division can really help sort of expand kind of tag team wrestling in AEW. Especially how AEW's kind of this morally grey type of company where you're not just a pure heel, you're not just a pure babyface. You can sometimes be in that in-between, which is the exact definition I could put both of these type of teams in because they're both kind of morally in the right to some extent. Yes, I'm even including Team Taz in that respect. Yeah, I just kind of see that. Because I feel like the main differences between Team Taz and Death Triangle is that it's weird. I think Death Triangle's intentions are a little bit more selfish in the way that theirs are all mainly focused about winning by any means necessary. Whereas Team Taz is more about recognition of the brand of FTW. I feel like that's kind of the great contrast you can put with them. And then if you add in sort of like the extra layers with it, say uh, the story of like bigger guys versus smaller guys, which is a common thing in wrestling. I feel like you can get a really good, interesting sets of matches out of this. And you've got some great story to play off of with Pac, you know, trying to overcome the massive size disadvantages that Powerhouse Hobbs and Brian Cage present. You've also got the stuff with Ricky Starks. The promo battles between the two could be really fun. Particularly from how, like, stoic and serious Pac's promos have become. And especially with the new sort of 
promo style he gets, where he gets these big in-depth video packages that are almost inside his own psyche. You can just have that for, like, members of FTW, and he's just, like, battering each and every single one of them. Maybe it's almost like he's destroying the FTW belt. I don't know, I feel like that could be a fun little thing. You know, really build up those, like, pack video packages that he gets. And, you know, really emphasize it for particular wrestlers, kind of like what they did when he was returning to face Eddie Kingston. I I think that could be fun. You know, you can do it where he's, like, destroying a replica of the FTW Championship to represent Brian Cage. He's destroying a singlet that's meant to be, like, Powerhouse Hobbs. Then he got the Ricky Starks one, and it's just a portrait of The Rock with Ricky's face on it. Because <laughs> people say he looks like The Rock. I don't know. I think that could be fun. Plus, you got all the other people with Death Triangle in there. I think they would be really cool, like, counters with Brian Cage. Maybe see Brian Cage bust out an Inziguri, and Phoenix bounces off the ropes, and somehow does... I don't know what Phoenix does. He's, he is, he's the definition of a creator wrestler gone insane with the freaking offense he does. And you got Pentagon with a great sense of charisma. That's just where I'm thinking. I think that could just be a very fun, just knockout, drag out feud in which they just beat the living S word out of each other. Yeah, that's kind of it. So moving on from that, we have one that's more focused on pack and not just a generalization. And it's on someone who really is leading a section of the Dark Order. The recruitment business! It's John Silver, baby! This is mostly because I just want to see John Silver have a good babyface run. And I feel like in order to get that out of him, you need someone with experience, with strength. Someone who I think, in a weird way, is almost the British equivalent of John Silver. Pack. Maybe that's a stupid assumption, because Pack was technically someone who I was exposed to first, but we're keeping that anyways. So, Pack. What, why on earth would Pack feud with John Silver? Particularly at this point. Very simple. Pack is furious at John Silver. Look at the guy. He, as Jim Ross has quoted, looks like a bowling ball. He is everything that Pac is, but younger. He is a small guy who's deceptively strong, deceptively agile, and is becoming slowly but surely a breakout star. He's very much things that Pack was in his youth. A, a super athletic, gifted guy, probably one of the most underrated high flyers in all of wrestling, but was never really given his just due in the same way that John Silver seems to be getting it recently with BTE and with AEW and all of that fun stuff. So this feud is all purely built around Pac's jealousy of John Silver. Or more importantly, his jealousy of himself. When I think of the basis of Pac's character, this obsessed, psychopathic bastard, he's, he's a character who's very much been built upon by his own regrets of wishing that he could have been a top star in another company. You know, he started out as a Mighty Mouse-looking character in WWE. I'm not talking NXT. That's a whole different story. And he slowly devolved into this guy who many people wish was going to be brought to the top. And then he got a shot, the King of the Cruiserweights, but then it didn't really go anywhere. He was stagnant. And then we had the whole year after year of him waiting out his contract until eventually he was set free. What was John Silver doing in those years? Breaking out. Trying to live up to his potential. 
What was Pack doing? Nothing. He was waiting there, watching as time went by. It's... For me, it's the subtext as to why Pack is so obsessed with, you know, being given his just due. And why, when he isn't given that, he's absolutely annoyed. Because he's just spent so many years waiting to just get a shot to wrestle at a high level outside of a big corporation. Pack is jealous because he didn't get to be Pack. That's a very weird way of phrasing it, but that's how I'm sticking with it. So, this is one of the very few that I kind of have a specific mind of how I'd want this to go. You know, you start off with a six-man tag match, Pack and Death Triangle facing off against the Dark Order, I'd say John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Stu Grayson, because I think he's super underrated, and you just, you have this quick little exchange with John Silver and Pac, and he just sees all of the John Silver-isms, the Johnny Hungy, the tag team moves that he has with Reynolds. And he, he walks straight up to him, and he slaps him in the face. Because he says, why are you getting over? You're a joke. Maybe he won't say it in that specific way, but that's kind of the basis of what I want him to get across. They have a match. I'd say Death Triangle wins via shenanigans. Because they can do that. And then you build these sets of singles matches between Death Triangle and the Dark Order. Now, you might be asking, what does this do for Pac? Why would he want to wrestle these matches when he could just be going straight for the world title. Very simple. He's so annoyed at these people that the minute that their leader has gone, and I'm not talking the whole death, rest in peace Brody Lee. I'm talking the minute that his leader isn't there, they all end up being complete goofballs. Where is the serious Dark Order who nearly threatened to destroy Dynamite? They didn't do anything. And the F-Triangle came to pick up the scraps. For him, the Dark Order represents a failure for Pac to get over being himself. And for him, it is a failure of accepting himself as who he is, and just kind of, you know, embracing this darker side. And if he has to embrace that darker side, he's gonna make everyone else. Including John Silver, who just gonna get a set of singles matches between them. I'm thinking best of five, because I kind of want this to be a battle of ideals. The battle of John Silver trying to maintain his own ideals of being this kind of goofy face. You can tell the story of how John Silver just, when he first came in, he didn't really know himself. He was trying to find himself in AEW and that he admired Pac. He admired the seriousness and he wanted to be like him. But he eventually couldn't. Because you can, I think you can tell that story. They're both very similarly built guys. Both kind of smaller in terms of wrestling. I think you can pull that off. And you just have Pac seeing John Silver as almost like a younger Neville. Or a younger Pac, if you will. And just wanting to absolutely destroy that because it reminds you of him. And it reminds him of his mistakes. And with it, you flesh out Pac's character a bit with it. You also elevate John Silver because he's facing Pac, a former main eventer. And you build this great dynamic between the two. Maybe it gives them both chances to have good singles runs. That could be fun. And with it, you have Pack win. Just, you know, as a good luck next time, John. You were close. But no cigar. Pack is someone who... I feel if he's not chasing the Walter, it's kind of directionless. So you kind of need people like John Silver to give him a more of a purpose in AEW that isn't just 
how dare I not be given a push? And I need to prove myself in order to do this. Hack is very much someone who you can really flesh out the emotional aspects of his character. Why is he so psychotic and mean other than just in video packages? And it's nice that he's getting them, but I think there's a lot more potential of showing that also in the ring, especially with how long he's been gone. There is plenty of room to expand on his character a lot more. And I feel like part of the things that you can do with that is put him in there with guys who we've likely never seen him work with before. Guys like John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Stu Grayson. People who we've really started to really grow accustomed to in the Dark Order. As it's one of AEW's only real homegrown acts at this point. That's kind of the basis of that. So we may as well just get to the final one. And it's someone who claims that he's better than Pac. And he knows it. MJF! Yes, MJF. The man who, as a character, is a very rich, spoiled character. With probably one of the most psychotic characters in AEW. How would this work? Well, as said, as I've already alluded to, his theme song starts with I'm better than you and you know it. What could MGF try to be better at? Hmm. Being a bastard, that's right. MJF, as a character, He's someone who constantly tries to put himself above everyone else. He is the god of his own world. And if there are people who potentially threaten this, he is going to try and be better than them at every single path. In this case, Pack. So the basis of this feud is anything you can do, I can do better. You started off, how you start off most feuds with a simple interaction. MJF sees Pac in the locker room just beating up a guy. Maybe it's a inner circle member like Santana and Ortiz and he's furious. How dare you beat up my new close personal friend? I don't know. This is just a way of extending that whole situation. With it, you get MJF doing the exact same thing that Pac did but to members of Death Triangle. I think Phoenix first, because of the whole thing with Kenny Omega. I don't know, I'm just picking one of the two. And it becomes this almost one-upsmanship of both of them trying to take out members of their factions as a way of just kind of proving who's more dominant and who's more evil of the two. It's the case of Pac, just being so annoyed at this man and how spoiled and entitled he is that he's just gonna start breaking it down one by one. I'm talking taking out Santana, taking out Ortiz, taking out Sammy Guevara, having a match with Jake Hager, and losing by DQ by kicking him in the nuts. You might be asking yourself, why would Pac take a DQ loss against Jake Hager. Very simple. He's just a douche at this point. He doesn't want to be one-upped by this pompous rich kid. No, he's worked too hard to get to his spot. So yes, he would kick Jake Hager in the nuts in my mind. And so we build to a singles match, the first singles match, because this is going to be multiple things, which is MJF versus Pack, And it's one where they're just both just trying to cheat every single chance that they get. MJF trying to hit Pack with a diamond, diamond ring, dynamite diamond ring, Jesus. And Pack is just trying to be a douche, you know? Attack him before the match starts. Uh, try and kick him in the nuts. He's going to be the new king of nut style, in the words of Shinsuke Nakamura. 
and so on and so forth, and at a point where both of them get themselves a double DQ. Now I know what you're saying. AEW loves its clean finishes, which is why you don't do a clean finish for this match. Have it be that they're so focused on cheating that it's almost a mystery how they would do in a competitive match, because both of them assume that they could run circles around each other. But they're so focused on their own agenda of one-upping each other that they won't ever know unless they are told that they can't do that. Which is why we build to a no-DQ match. Both of them can cheat as much as they want, and they can prove who is the better wrestler. Because MJF underneath all of this, I think is trying to prove that he's a better wrestler. And Pac vice versa is annoyed at this kid who constantly gets new, exciting opportunities, like beating Cody Rhodes, costing Cody Rhodes the world title. Why wasn't he the one who could cost him the world title? Why wasn't he given a shot for the world title initially upon his debut? And why on earth was he forced to have several matches with Hangman Page when he should have been facing the world title? In case you're wondering, I really want Pac to win the world title. In all seriousness, I alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast. I talked about how I believe that this could be the year for Pac. And part of that is because he wasn't there for much of 2020. We have so many fresh matchups that you could put him in. And putting him in a ring with a guy like MJF, who has been shown to be an incredibly good worker, I think super underrated because of his heel work, could be a very fun match. Particularly character-wise. Just from the seriousness of Pac taken in contrast to the very cocky nature of MJF, I feel like that's a very fun dynamic you can play off of. Plus you got a lot of fresh matches for Pac to get to MJF. Matches against Santana and Ortiz, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, which sounds like a really fun match. And then all leading to him facing MJF, maybe with Wardlow in his corner. You know, really emphasizing kind of the more heroic traits of Pac. Because he is, at the end of the day, going to be at a disadvantage in this match. Maybe even brings out some of the Pac of all, the super hybrid athlete who would just casually front flip all the way to the other turnbuckle. I don't know, something like that. And it chips away at MJF that he can't out-wrestle Pac, because he's such a natural athlete. So he starts cheating, and just trying to grind down Pac, and you build this resilience that comes with the bastard character. This tough as nails, very stern, I'm gonna beat you up regardless. Because I don't think we've seen that with Pac. And if you want to kind of put him in a world title picture type of situation, you need to show some sense of resilience and heart. Even if you're a heel, look at JY at Wrestle Kingdom. You need to show stuff like that if you want to elevate Pac to that main event level. And I don't think AEW's fully done that yet. And the only way you can do that is by having him face former world title contenders. Guys who are really going to push Pack. And in a no DQ match where it's possible you could severely injure Pack and have him not go for the Black Arrow. Just see him sort of creatively go against that. Maybe do more targeted drop kicks. Really focus on the Neuralizer. Was it the neuro? No, not the neuralizer. The. Oh my god, I'm forgetting the name! Uh, what was it? It wasn't the neuralizer. It was. Uh, come on, I don't know the name, but you know the name, the submission move! Uh, the brutalizer! It's the brutalizer! Okay! Yes, it was the brutalizer. Kind of like the stuff with Kenny Omega, where he was just like on top of his shoulder and just locked in the brutalizer. You can do that with MJF where he's just, you know, trying to do a move. I don't know what. And then he just like locks it in. You see the sweat and struggle on his face as he's trying to put down this young guy. A guy who reminds him 
of so many other younger talents who have passed pack by. I, that, to me, sounds just really fun. Especially if you also have Wardlow in there and he's fighting off Wardlow. You have Death Triangle come in and try and give him the save because they want this to be Pac's moment to elevate up the card and say to Tony Khan, F you, I can do this. I don't know, I feel like this type of feud is the anything you can do, I can do better. Is something where you can really prove that Pac is more than just what he was in WWE and more than what he was eight months ago. Really play off that sort of time off that he's had, that like they were doing initially, and just wondering if he's still got it, if he can still be as athletic as he once was, and play that in comparison to MJF, a guy who's in the early stages of his career, but he's also in a high-profile position. I think that could be a very fun thing. So that's kind of the ending of the basis of all the storylines. So to close things out, I like to do something that's usually a little bit odd for my wrestlers of the week. And it's a segment I like to call Fantasy Fumble. Now, if you've never seen Fantasy Fumble before, it's the segment of the podcast where I try and give the weirdest or wackiest storyline I can come up with. And present it in me quite literally panicking because it's always improvised. So, if you want to stick around, stick around. If you don't, well, enjoy your day. I'm sure you've done a lovely thing today. So, without further ado, Fantasy Fumble will begin in 3, 2, 1, Fumble. Let the dumpster fire begin! It's the makeover that everyone forgot about, because this is a story about making yourself up again. I, I was trying to figure something creative there. So, we're on AEW Dark. Pac is having a competitive singles match to get himself into a new potential match. And, as this is happening, we have Peter Avalon at ringside. Pretty Peter Avalon, looking for his pretty Peter Pageant Invitational. I believe that's what it was. And he's there, he's watching, he's content, and he's there admiring Griff Garrison. Of course he is, because Pac is in a match with Griff Garrison. And he blocks in the Brutalizer, and he wins. But Peter Avalon comes along. Rather than passing a photo of himself to Griff, he passes it to Pac with the words, Call me, written on the back. Nothing comes of it. In a couple more weeks, we see Pac just exploring the locker room, seeing more signs of Peter Avalon being presented up there for the pageant. And then Peter Avalon comes to him, and he says, You remind me of a younger me. <laughs> Pac? <laughs> and from my own experience, I know that anyone can be pretty like Peter. So the weeks go on, we have Pac in more matches in AEW Dark. Peter passing him more pretty Peter Invitational portraits. There we go, that's a lot of alliteration. <laughs> so we continue on with that. We build it. Then he confronts him again, reminding him of his WWE past, his time with The Miz, a man who was trying to give him a makeover and seeing how that rejection has led Pact to a make under. So throughout the weeks we have Peter Avalon trying to give Pack a makeover, getting scissors out, say like Brutus the Barber Beefcake, trying to cut his hair, and Pack moving out of the way, drop kicking him, moving, running, because he doesn't want his hair to be ruined. Next week he brings out a beard trimmer, tries to get it, and he gets a chunk of Pack's hair inadvertently. On. Pac is now pissed. He's after Pretty Peter. Throughout all of AEW Dark, he is sprinting, trying to find this man who took some of his precious beard. And then he sees him having a wine and dine on being the elite to himself and to the hair of Pac. Because he knows that by little by little, he's gonna make Pac pretty. Peter Pack. 
over the course of more and more time, we see this progress. Little bits of hair taken off little by little, and we start to see Pac have a little bit of a change of appearance a bit. A little bit of brighter colours in his gear. He's kind of turning back into Neville. And of course, Pac denies this. He's still got the tired eyes. He doesn't want this. And so he confronts Peter. And the intentions that he has. And, he sh and all that Peter says is, You're pretty now, Pac. But you'll never be Peter. And he rips the photo of Pack in half. All of the hard work that he put in, rejected. And Pack, finally getting memories back of Neville, is pissed. We build to a match on AEW Dark. It's Pack versus Peter Avalon in a hair versus hair match. Peter Avalon building it up as if I can't make you pretty, nobody can see you pretty. Pack being absolutely annoyed, pissed, is wondering why is this even happening? And so they have their match. Peter Avalon, Pack, intense singles match. Only one can survive. Only one will have a hair of a chance in this bout. And yes, Pack squashes him in about five seconds. Black Arrow Brutalizer, and it's done. So, that is the end of our tale. Pack with the clippers, shaves Peter Avalon's head, shaves the mustache. He is pretty Peter no more. And Pack, at the end of the day, in every way, is still a bastard. Honestly, that was probably the best bit of random improvised booking I've ever done. I I actually kind of want to see that now. <laughs> you know, just that little peek of like, Pack just realizing, oh no, I'm Neville. No, no. <laughs> and then just have Peter Avalon just have this whole like shrine dedicated to Pack and his old WWE incarnation. You know, those like, very small scenes he had with the Miz, where it's like, I'm gonna give you a makeover pack. <laughs> it's stupid, but as an AEW dark feud, I, I kinda wanna see that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the end of this podcast. I, weird way to start 2021, but hey, that's all you can do. And, I know it's been hard for people, especially if you're in the US right now. It's It's been very difficult. Also, us in the UK, if anyone's listening to this. And I try and say this to myself every single day. Uh, try and keep positive. No matter how bad things get, there's always at least a little something that's good in your life. So make the most of that. Cherish it. And just... Try and have the best day that you can have, because you don't know how many days you have. So, with that in mind, thank you all for listening. If you'd like to see more other content, there's a whole backlog of things. So that's awesome. So, yeah, if this is your first time, maybe have a look at those. If it isn't, look forward to next week, because we're doing something a little different. It's, it's, it's another thing like Santa. But it's even more weirder. We're gonna try and make the Among Us character a wrestling character. So, that will be interesting. How will that work? I don't know. Maybe you'll tune in to find out. So, once again, thank you all for listening. I hope you have a lovely day. And remember everybody, wrestling can always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.